0: The Gadget Guide on Cambridge 105 Radio with the Centre for Computing History, Cambridge. Making the history of computing fun for everyone. Visit computinghistory.org.uk to find out more. And welcome along to show number two hundred and sixty-eight, and we'll be
1: taking a look at printers. Yes, those evil things that everyone seems to hate. But how can you minimise minimise the pain um, after this week's technology news? And we'll start <laughs> locally um, because City Fiber have just announced that they are starting the actual build. Um, of the latest project gigabit uh, broadband uh, build scheme in Cambridgeshire, so this is the the government 's targeted uh, support subsidy for the particularly difficult to reach areas that have maybe had very slow broadband or even a complete lack of broadband um, in the past. This is about 45,000 houses uh, around the county and this is going to be the the sort of upgrading of those to something much, much better um, gigabit or even more, 10 gigabits in some cases to uh, to the premise.
0: Yes, this is certainly going to make a lot of people very happy. I did notice quite a lot of um, street furniture, uh, temporary street furniture, barriers, and whatnot parked along one of the roads in Milton over the weekend, all with yeah. city fibre um, naming on it. So I'm wondering if there's a bit of an extension to some of the network in Milton because I know they've done areas of Milton already. Uh, the Milton is an interesting one.
1: It's, it's been raised by a few people because uh, at the time it didn't have uh, a great deal of uh, sort of gigabit broadband. So this is normally where you get fibre optic actually into your house rather than uh, VDSL fibre to the cabinet. Um, and it, it was a little bit behind for a while, but that did get built, I think, by BT uh, as open reach. But I think that uh, the Cambridge fibre, distinct from City fibre, I I seem to recall, have got a presence in Milton as well.
0: I, I think so, yes. So uh, it's I c- interesting certainly think some friends have switched from Virgin to Cambridge Fibre.
1: Yeah, and and Virgin Media, of course, have uh, have got some deployment in Milton. So interesting that City Fibre are deploying there as well. Um, that, now, we I d- think, I do, is uh, probably not under this uh, gigabit uh,
0: voucher scheme. Enough. I do know a friend who's moving into the Wilbrahams... A yep. village to the east of Cambridge, and the road he's moving into is the only road in the village that does <laughs> have fibre. Yep, um, they apparently bypassed it because there was no interest at the time and oh, didn't even put. Gosh. So he's going to be motivating strongly for them yes. to um, uh, put fibre in, even if it uh, involves. He says, he says he's quite happy to pay for two of his neighbours to have it if he can have it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, and this is this is sometimes a challenge. If there's sort of one street, or particularly if you've got a private driveway or something like that, sometimes you can get bypassed. And then because most of your neighbours have got it, um, the, the providers don't come back. Um, of course, City Fibre is not the only ones uh, building in the area. Cambridge Fibre have done some of these similar voucher scheme builds in certainly Land Beach, Histon Impington, I think. I think I've seen their, their stuff in Oakington. Uh, as well as the city so a lot of uh, a lot of movement going and it does mean that finally uh, an awful lot of Cambridgeshire is actually catching up and getting decent internet it can be a little frustrating if you're in an area where only one ISP uh, serves at uh, at decent speeds but um, and at least with the likes of, of city fibre and, and openreach you do get a bit of a choice of ISPs rather so than virgin media th- at the
0: moment
1: <laughs> yeah, who, yeah moving who, on who to are just to uh, just themselves that
0: <laughs> there's there's a very rare uh, well it's becoming rarer to only have a choice of one ISP yeah. for, for high speed broadband and and yes that might just be virgin media with a coax cable into the property they haven't yet got fibre into the house yet that's part of their upgrade plan over the next few years. But what they are planning on doing is spinning out the division of Virgin Media that owns and operates all of that cabling, the cable portion, to a separate company. Very similar to the way BT spun out all of the um, exchanges and the poles and wires and ducts Into to open reach. reach. Yep. So we will see something coming out of the Virgin Media O2 company, which will own all of the infrastructure. And that means that they can then start selling services on that platform to other ISPs. So you'd and be able to then get, for example, Sky Broadband via Virgin.
1: Yes. And this, this is something that's, that's been sort of on the cards for a little while. Um, it was talked about as part of that acquisition by uh, or merger by Virgin Media and O2 um, to, to kind of become more of a wholesale platform. Uh, and it's... I think it's good to see it happening. I I can imagine this could cause quite a shake up in the market because particularly if some of the larger retail ISPs who don't have their own infrastructure uh, and Sky you mentioned there I think is the the UK's second largest uh ISP mm-hmm. um, by by a pure number of customers they currently back off of openreach if they were to move all of their customers into virgin's uh, <laughs> netco the the network company yes um, that's going to make a huge impact on on or, openreach uh, and bt and c- Group.
0: certainly if virgin make the the wholesale cost very attractive yes to to make it look um, more profitable to an organization that that wants customers on a platform where they don't own that infrastructure It also exposes that infrastructure to areas where that ISP might not have been able to have coverage. So, you know, it might be an area that only has really Virgin and conventional telephone wiring, which can't carry fast enough broadband.
1: Cotton and where I live has exactly that situation.
0: And uh, yes, you know, if if, picking on Sky, uh, if if Sky were able to uh, put customers onto Virgin's network for the same ordinance yeah open reach they will very carefully consider that i'm sure
1: yeah uh, and i i suspect we are going to start seeing that and I, I think you yeah, know a bit of competition is is definitely a good thing um, yeah. i i think it'll be very interesting to see where this goes with new build states as well because a, a lot of those uh, are just being lit up by the likes of Open Fibre Networks, Limited OFNL, uh, that has some choice of ISPs, but many of them not brands that you would recognize. Yeah. Um, plus, you know, it's in some cases, Virgin Media. I, I think if we can start seeing a little bit more choice so that wherever you live... You can use the same ISP. Yes. Um, yes. And think, and uh,
0: also the the choice for those ISPs as having more than one wholesaler to go to market with. Yeah. Like having a choice of Openreach plus the Virgin Media offering will make it a lot more viable for them to carry on being ISPs. Uh, of because course, they the- can hopefully trade off and get better pricing, and maybe we'll see the the thing that never happens, and that's broadband prices coming down.
1: Yeah, and I think it'll be very interesting to see what happens with areas because, of course, whilst whilst there's some areas like uh, like the the villages where there's one infrastructure provider that's put the cables and the fiber uh, in, in a lot of city sort of city centre locations, Cambridge is is a great example of that. You've actually got two, three, sometimes four providers. Yeah, it, mm-hmm. it's not unheard of in in the centre of Cambridge to have Openreach, Virgin Media, City Fiber, and Cambridge Fiber. Um, all running their, their, their wires past your window. Um, and if all of those have uh, end up having wholesale offerings, um, then there's a lot of infrastructure, but maybe a little bit more than we actually need. Um, so I think there'll there'll be some you, interesting you, movements you, in the next you few say, years.
0: You say that. Have they actually catered for every single house to have a piece of glass going into uh, it? Of,
1: of course not, no. But, uh, but just so, from a sort of logistics yeah. point of view...
0: Um, I think the, the the next big thing after this is going to be seeing which ISP uh, rolls out a a fully orderable option of ten gigabit or or a fraction of ten gigabit two and a half yeah. gig is, is well, a vir- good Virgin, fraction. Virgin Media have announced a uh, a two gigabit
1: a second plan. Yeah, um, yeah. that's uh, that's coming soon. Not to uh, all areas. I think they're they're talking uh, targeting some of their newer network areas first. Um, not least because I think that does mean getting that bit of glass into your uh home hub directly rather than what they currently do which is fibre to the outside of your house and then onto the conventional coax so there's a little bit of uh, of tech work that virgin need to do there uh, but no doubt they will get there soon we'll be watching the
0: isps closely as usual but uh, yes. talking of watchers watching the watched uh, yes, this is uh, the European Union, which is due to uh,
1: launch an investigation into TikTok. So this is under the uh, the Digital Services Act, uh, EU-DSA. Um, and uh, it's interesting, it's, it's claiming that the, uh, or, or investigating whether the social media uh, network is designed to uh, stimulate behavioural addictions... And so, in other words, has TikTok specifically designed their thing to get you addicted to TikTok? And I, I think and when most of us you, would sort of intuitively say, "Well, yes, that's kind and, of what and most And to have you rabbit hole,
0: you've, you've watched one cat video, we'll show you another cat video, and keep you on the platform because yeah.
1: And I, I, I don't think if if this goes anywhere, I, I can't believe that this is going to be limited to TikTok. Because no, I
0: think I think YouTube will be next in the in the headlights yep. of the EU as far as maybe their algorithm as well and then i i wouldn't imagine i wouldn't be surprised if the meta company and its platforms get <laughs> eyeballed as well I,
1: i'm pretty pretty much any of the the big sort of centralized social media networks that is their design is to increase average watch time per user per day um, and, and no surprise that means that you try to uh, sort of show people the things that are most likely to get them to keep watching and then watch some more and watch some more so yes i, I think lucy was just mentioning uh, uh sort of uh, time yeah, yes. time on phones. screen time uh, yeah yep, of course lucy that is not your fault they've designed it to be that way
0: <laughs> of course tiktok not um uh, not strangers to being fined by european countries the irish data protection commission fined them 368 million dollars in september last year september 2023 for violating gdpr regulations and oh, that was not particularly correctly churn, processing personal yeah, information of minors
1: yeah, yeah. um meanwhile the, you have been busy um and uh, they they have uh, they fined apple 500 million euros that's what 400 million pounds give or take um uh, at the moment um and again this is an anti-competitive uh investigation so it's uh, where, where where the apple blocked apps uh, informing iPhone users of cheap alternatives to uh, access music subscriptions. So uh, this is things like the ability to buy a Spotify or a YouTube premium uh, subscription outside of the App Store without and incurring that markup yes. that, we've, uh, that we've talked about previously.
0: <laughs> um, uh, uh, Apple it's has yet to, to be fined for an antitrust infringement by the EU. Um, but did get fined by France for uh, anti-competitive behaviour in 2020. So, yeah, um, we'll see what happens with that one.
1: Yep, uh, no doubt uh, many of the streaming, uh, streaming services looking on uh, very eagerly there to see whether they can get away from the, uh, uh, the, the slight sort of hoops they have to jump through at the moment to, uh, to, to not hand over 30% of uh, their revenue to, uh, to Apple.
0: Moving into gaming, we do gaming every now and then on the Gadget Guide and the Xbox platform and its cloud gaming uh, environment have... uh, This has been a stealth announcement. uh, On one of the gaming podcasts, the CEO of Microsoft Gaming, Phil Spencer, confirmed that Xbox users will be able to play their entire catalogue of games. In other words, every game you've bought, on physical media or digital, in the cloud uh sometime in the next 12 months or so now well, basically later in 2024 he's saying
1: do do I not remember i i can't remember the uh, <laughs> the the name of it now
0: um xcloud oh, is what you're thinking of possibly no
1: i i'm thinking there was a microsoft cloud gaming uh, service that got shut down not very long ago um and i've forgotten what it was called now uh i'm sure they were, was it avalon or something like that uh, there, there was the other one that was Microsoft's version of Google Stadia that also yes. shut down, uh, which yes. was a cloud gaming platform. Um, so, so it's interesting that it's popped back up uh, just under the Xbox uh, Xbox banner.
0: Although the cloud gaming stuff has been around pretty much since the Xbox got an internet connection, um, so that... Has well and truly been embedded with fans and has millions of users on it. Oh, sure, um, sure
1: but I, I think this is sort of handing off some of the compute into the cloud. So that means yeah, that you I play think all, I all think of your, all your games, all, mm, yeah, on on your questionable, yeah. Uh, so
0: yes, we, we'll be keeping an eye on that and seeing how Xbox Cloud Gaming um, becomes more available um, and. How they're going to validate your uh, games that you've acquired? I'm guessing that they can validate from the serial number on the the digital media that you either uh, that the or physical you media you've bought.
1: Yeah, put put the uh, put the DVD into your Xbox and then uh, um, validate it onto your cloud account. Yeah. It, what happens if you lend a DVD, Lend that DVD to one of your I mates?
0: think there might be activation codes <laughs> involved.
1: Yeah um yes. moving from uh, for from gaming into uh, into telephones and google android 15 this is going to be the uh, the next version of the android operating system um they've launched the first uh, developer preview of this so this is um, the the sort of the early access that you get for people who are building apps, who people are building phones um, uh, and accessories with the Android. Yep, exactly. Yeah. They they get a bit of a heads up. Uh, we're expecting the the full release to probably be around July August time, um, and we'll we'll sort of get progressively closer to that uh, through through now through June. Um, but yeah, it is pretty much the usual stuff that you'd expect. The battery life slightly better um, better CPU performance, um, low light in, uh, enhancements to the camera, which is interesting, um, and, and customizable flash settings. So rather than just a, a kind of, is the flash on or off, um, it'll be able to, uh, to be a little bit more nuanced than that, which I think could be quite nice because I think a, a lot of the time when I'm taking photos, it's, it's a, yeah, you take it without the flash, and it's either very blurred or very grainy. And then you put the flash on, and it's like, oh, that was too much. Um, yeah. So somewhere halfway between the two could be uh, could be quite neat.
0: Yeah, that should be relatively easy to do on a lot of current hardware. So it should be something that won't necessarily require a brand new, yeah, uh, next generation phone to actually implement. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see what is interesting is the absence of any mentioning of AI.
1: Whoa, are you sure this is an announcement in 2024? I don't think I've seen um, any that don't, uh, don't include it's, that it's word. It's very
0: interesting. So either uh, they are thinking, fine, we've got manufacturers wanting to do their own machine learning systems in their devices. Samsung being a good example with their latest version of their One UE 6.1, including a bunch of machine learning smarts into things like improving photos, digital editing of photos, um real-time translation services, better auto-correct, and so on. Maybe they're thinking, okay, if we don't put it into the core operating system, vendors can do their own thing. And Google is doing its own thing with, with BARD, which has had a rename recently. Um, so I suppose it gives everyone the chance to come up with their own?
1: Yeah, and I, I'm just looking at the, Google's recent announcement, which was uh, Google... Uh, vertex ai and uh, and the gemini 1.5 model so yeah the yeah, gemini company, was barred yeah they <laughs> the still there are still that was uh, announced just a, a couple of days ago um, and you know a lot of the initial uh, stuff is saying oh hang on actually this could have uh, could have overtaken some of the chat gpt uh stuff particularly for kind of very long context uh prompts so google's still very much Doing the research on AI, interesting that they're not pushing it on the uh, on the consumer devices directly, as you say. Hmm.
0: I think maybe they are going back to their original premise of Android of let's keep it open and a platform for other vendors to yeah. play in. So if we bake our gemini into it we possibly restrict and it's it's like bundling a, a a browser into your operating system you probably don't want the eu coming off to you
1: yes it'd be interesting to see what google's own pixel devices get as a, a result of that yes uh, but no doubt uh, we shall see um sticking with phones and the nothing phone uh, 2a so this is their uh, their latest release. We've talked a little bit about the uh, the Nothing phone uh, in the past. It's, it's kind of what what OnePlus were to start with, but quite a quite a quirky little device. A transparent backed case, so you can see all of the goodies inside it. And uh, the 2A um, is uh, you know, following that uh, following that suit. Basically, it's it's a bit of an upgrade. It's, it's nothing uh, sort of transformative, um, but uh, we're expecting to actually see the full launch on the fifth of March.
0: Yes, and rumours that it will be a, sort of a, a bit more of a budget one than their flagship phone. So, uh, appeal yeah. to people who go, mm, I don't necessarily want to spend that much on a phone. I want a more mid-range option. So, we'll see what that is like in about three or four weeks' time.
1: Yeah, very nice. Um, meanwhile, heading up into, uh, into space and the uh, European Space Agency, um, <laughs> they're, they're, uh, they're, they're de-orbiting a satellite, so ERS-2. Um, is being uh, end of offres to put it uh, <laughs> politely um, and, and uh. so they 're shoving it, shoving it back down, um, but that does mean that <laughs> there might be a few lumps of satellite making their way through the uh, through the atmosphere now they, they do take great care whenever uh, whenever they do this to to make sure they 're not going to land on people. Um, and uh, ESA is, is reckoning it's less than one in a hundred billion. So if you do get hit by a lump of satellite, then
0: you really are special. You, you, you'll be in the record books and the news globally if you are. Um, they reckon the largest piece that could survive re-entry is about 52 kilos. Think about that. That's, that's, that's a, quite a lump. That's a bag of concrete. Yep. Yep or building sand Um, most of
1: it should go into the Pacific Ocean so if it lands in in Cambridge we've
0: done well 70% of the planet's surface is water it's quite difficult to hit ground actually if you're just flinging things at the Uh, planet don't tempt fate (laughs) yes anyway this will all be uh, sometime between uh, February the 20th and 22nd Um, scheduled for 21st of February give or take 15 hours uh, ah, I'm sure it'll, in in yeah. influenced by solar storms, apparently. Fair enough. Um a couple
1: of bits of security then to uh to finish off the news. And wise that's W Y Z-E, um had a little bit of a blooper uh with their uh with their security scan uh cameras recently. Um about thirteen thousand people could see each other's videos, and this is not something you really want for a, uh, a home security camera.
0: No, and they have fessed up to saying that 1500 of those people actually did click on someone else's thumbnail and look at someone else's house. Uh, of course, wise are quite popular because they are inexpensive Wi Fi connected cameras, often used as baby cams, and their cloud storage, yeah, had a security hiccup. They basically. Uh, made a mistake and exposed everyone to everyone else
1: now i I will say at least they have first of all disclosed it yes first first bonus points for that and secondly they've got enough data to say that it was 1504 users that looked at that so at least they can tell those people who were affected now whether you can do something about it is another matter um but that is showing that this error aside they've probably built a fairly robust platform they've yes. got the right auditing they've got the right logging in place a lot of companies won't be able to do that if they get yep. compromised they're like well something might have happened and we don't really know what yeah. um so
0: fair play b- to them b- for, between for one and data. all users <laughs> yes. yeah so yeah w- wise at least as i said fessing up to this uh, they they closed the hole very quickly not quickly Good. enough for, for 1,500 people to yeah. go and tap on things, but, you know, that's, you know, 10% of your users who were affected. Um, and it just shows people are paying attention to the notifications from these security apps on their phones, if that many people actually did tap on a, a link fairly quickly during mm. the, the several hours that was open. Um, but, yeah, closed it down very quickly, fixed all the problems, what sort of compensation they might offer? Who knows? I mean, maybe it'll be a case of buy another camera for half price or something.
1: We shall. Uh, we shall see. Nothing announced on that yet. No. Um, so finally, then, uh, Android notification history. Now, th- this is a thing that I wasn't aware of until recently. Um, but maybe you know, you've accidentally dismissed a notification on a, on an Android device, or you've handed your phone to someone and they've they've swiped a notification away. Did you know you can turn on history and go and look back at notifications
0: that previously happened? I knew this existed. Um, I hadn't realised that by default, Samsung phones turn it off. Yeah. So uh, when I migrated onto a Samsung phone, I lost this. Um, but you can very easily turn it back on on your Android phone. All you have to do is go into settings and from settings, find the notifications uh, option in settings. Find the advanced um, settings within notifications and you'll have an option to enable notification history. There you go. Simple as Four
1: hours, so <laughs> it's not going to keep things around for uh, forever, um, but does mean you can uh, go and rescue those notifications. Uh, speaking of notifications, uh, <laughs> Lucy just said, "I live in fear each uh, each Monday morning of my screen time notification um, constantly hovers around five to six hours a day." I, I'm not even going to look at mine. It's I, I dread to think.
0: Um, <laughs> Of course. Uh, what, what's rude as mine has now taken to telling me that I've used my phone so many minutes while driving. Yes, that's the navigation that's the tools yep. running. I haven't been touching my phone; it's locked into a like, cradle. I think
1: you could, you can definitely, <laughs> you can definitely ignore that, and you can definitely ignore listening to podcasts. Uh, just like this one will be available soon. Uh, we're going to be talking about printers next um, and uh, how to to minimise the pain of those. 105. Cambridge One Hundred and Five Radio. Wednesdays on Cambridge 105 Radio, Queer Cambridge. Mary, Kate and Ellie have topical discussion from the LGBTQ community. A look at queer news nationally and locally and events you can get involved in. Queer Cambridge, Wednesday at 6 on Cambridge 105 Radio and available now at cambridge105.co.uk. In need of legal advice you can trust, Woodfines Solicitors offers a range of expert and award-winning legal services, whatever your problem. Perhaps you've been a victim of crime, or maybe you or a loved one have been involved in the criminal justice system. Woodfines can help ensure that you get the right representation. Our defence team are available 24-7, and we're upfront and transparent about our costs. Find out more at woodfines.co.uk and arrange a no-obligation chat. Woodfines. Cutting through the red tape. Cambridge 105 Radio. No- Where we're talking printers, uh, malicious uh, <laughs> malicious devices for uh, most of us. Um, yeah, they, things
0: that know how to fold origami better than you could ever learn. Yeah, that is or, true. Or they, they, shred, they, shred paper better than your shredder. They, they do have something of a
1: reputation, don't they? But um, <laughs> <laughs> the, hopefully this will... will you know ease that pain slightly or at least point you in the right direction um, of course something that lots of us would have had a few years ago d- does everyone actually need a printer
0: nowadays it is a big and a good question because these days a lot of things are paperless uh, your boarding pass you're expected these days to have it uh, before you arrive at the airport so you're going to have it Possibly printed, maybe you're cautious and you want to print just in case of that phone flat problem. Yep. Um but you probably got it in the airlines app on your phone. Yep. Same but with train tickets. Th- I guess for a lot of us yeah you know, having a printer in the house at least is is
1: still quite useful even if we don't actually use it from you know from one day to the next mine gets yep. turned on probably once a month or so um and we've probably all been there uh especially with with certain types of printers where you do turn right. it on after a, a few weeks and it's clogged up or it doesn't print says yep. you get says, lines I need all
0: magenta over it. but you go I just want to print black and white and it goes no I need magenta yeah, so you go, let's, but I never print magenta. <laughs>
1: let, let's look at a few a few technologies, and we'll start off with the one that probably does do that, and that's the inkjet printer. So this has been around for a while,
0: and oh, cracky! Kind of I remember the, the first inkjet printer I worked with was in the late nineties.
1: I was going to say about about the yeah mid, mid to late nineties. These these become very popular because they are cheap; they're very cheap to buy. They're a little bit more expensive than the others to run, but they kind of do everything reasonably well. So whether you want to print documents or whether you want to print photos or anything in between, they'll do an OK job of it. That said, they are prone to clogging up and the ink is rather expensive. And a lot of this is the, the manufacturers charging a lot will come on to running costs in a sec for replacement ink cartridges.
0: Yes, so maybe you want to consider laser printers. Laser printers have also become a lot cheaper and more affordable. Um, Colour laser, expensive. Black and white laser, dirt cheap these days in real terms. Your advantages of your laser printer is you're going to get a nice crisp print every time. It won't smudge or run. There's none of that print heads gumming up and, and it going, yeah, I'm, I've, I've, I've run out. Um, and your cost per page is a lot lower also your cost I mean your time to print a page is generally a lot faster with laser
1: and and for me the the big advantage of the laser is that they don't dry up they you, know, you can turn them t- off toner cartridge can be them. sitting
0: there for five years and, and it, you come exactly. back turn it on and it works uh, you know, and t- I toner I've, doesn't go off
1: <laughs> i i think i've had my my current color laser for probably coming on for 15 years i've changed the the black toner cartridge once i've never changed the color cartridges <laughs> and it's still going um and that you know if you don't print something very very often even if it's a little bit more expensive to buy in the first place, laser is well worth considering. Except yeah. if you want to print photos. They do not, even the colour ones, don't do a wonderful job of photos.
0: Yeah, colour laser to print photo quality stuff, you are suddenly into tens of thousands of pounds for those, and they tend to be the size of a washing machine. So, yeah, <laughs> colour laser, not for photos.
1: Great for documents, a lot less good for photorealistic stuff. If, you, if on the other hand, all you want to do is to print photos, then you might look at something like a dye sublimation dye-diffusion uh, printer. These, you're not going to want to run off a ream of meeting notes because they are very expensive to run. By, by page but you can get some outstanding quality photo and prints. we'll
0: look at some specific options on those from several manufacturers something that you might not sort of really think about these days is, is thermal or dot matrix printers and you go where am i going to use either of those dot matrix mainly in the industrial space uh where you're doing data logging and something has just got to sit there have a continuous feed of paper tractor feed was a thing where it can just print a line and sit yep. there and then print another line. So data logging, avionics, airlines, and so on, that's the sort of thing that they might use. But thermal is an interesting one for labels.
1: Yes, and especially with a lot more people running maybe little uh, sort of boutique shops, um, things like Etsy stores or eBay shops or that sort of thing, uh, where you're shipping out quite a few packages, you can now print postage at home. And if you if you download the various apps, you can actually buy your postage build it into the shipping label, print all of that. It comes off on a sort of uh, you know, six inches by four inch label, shove it on the parcel and Royal Mail or whoever will come and collect it from your front door. Yep. So thermal printers definitely do have that little, uh, little,
0: little niche in the market. Yes, they certainly are. And we'll look at costs and options on those as well. Now you might want more than a printer. You might want it to also be able to scan and copy. So including the scanning facility is obviously a, a very useful thing. Being able to copy without having to scan it to a computer Mm. and then reprint it is brilliant. Effectively, you've got a photocopier at home then. Now, even if you go for something like a black and white laser that can scan, normally they can scan in colour. So you can scan to your computer in colour. Obviously, the prints are going to be in black and white. But most of the time, if you don't need to actually print colour, that could be a good option as well.
1: Yep, very much so. Uh, some of them can do things like fax, but uh, outside of uh, certain say, public services,
0: on. that's Do you know not anyone a... who's got a fax number anymore that you would actually want to talk to? I, I'm pretty sure
1: the NHS still run on fax. Um, <laughs> but, but yes, you're, you're right. Um, a lot of these printers do do incorporate that sort of thing. But the, the scanning and the copying is, is more of the thing. Uh, do look out if you are going for a printer with a scanner, look out for ones that have automatic document feeders. So that means you can put a stack yes. of pages on top and it'll scan them all one in uh, you know one after the other sometimes even scan both sides of the page at the same time um, versus ones where you have to open the lid put the page on close the lid tighten open it up do the next page so on so auto document feeders very useful on the scanner side of things
0: look at how they connect to your your environment as well now a lot of them will have a USB to connect to your computer or a laptop dead easy you plug it in and hopefully your operating system will go hi you've plugged in a thing I know how to talk to that and it will just work otherwise you might have to download some drivers Uh, there'll probably be a qr code to scan if you want to actually use it from your phone now a lot of them these days are networked so they will either have a network connection that you can hardwire a network cable into your router or your network switch or wi-fi so it will just pair to your existing home wi-fi or bluetooth for things like phones
1: uh, and I would personally always look for something that does have that network connectivity, unless you're somebody who only ever uses one desktop PC, just having it sitting on your home network, ready to go from wherever you happen to be sat in the house, whatever device you uh, you happen to be using at the time, having it connected to your home network is massively more convenient. It means the printer can go where that's convenient to be, and you can be working maybe somewhere uh,
0: somewhere else and just pop over and, go and grab the, uh, the, the pages off of it yes now portable and you might go well what's going to be the use of a portable printer and this is photo printers but we'll get onto to those in a bit so of course we've spoken briefly about the cost of these things and and how do you actually work out what's going to be the best value for money for you most manufacturers are hedging their bets that you're going to spend more on the ink and toner and whatever else consumables than you are on the printer over the life of the printer
1: yeah. Now, it's it's important to to note that a lot of these devices come with a starter pack uh, of ink or toner. So, yes. yeah, if you look at the cost of a new set of uh, of ink cartridges and go, hang on, that's more than the cost of a new printer, uh, that's because the cartridges you get with the printer may be only, for example, half the capacity yeah. uh, uh, of the new set that you would buy. I'd, so, do fit, always factor that in.
0: Ignore the cost of the ink that comes, ink toner, whatever comes with the printer in your factoring. Just go, that's a freebie cool yep. look at the cost per page based on what it costs to buy that ink so if it costs uh i'm just trying to look, spot one of my things if 30, it costs 30
1: pounds for an ink cartridge or something like and
0: that. and that does 700 pages then your cost per page is going to be just under a penny a page
1: plus the paper and, and so on. Now, it, it is worth, especially if you're a relatively light user, it is worth looking at some of the manufacturer's subscription services. So this is where you pay uh, the, the manufacturer an ongoing fee, either a, a monthly fee or a per, uh, an amount per page, and they will send you new ink whenever you need it. And that's all factored into that subscription. Do, if do look out a for lot-
0: if, if there is a standing charge. Yes, Um, We're used to the idea of standing charges with electricity and so on. You don't want to be paying a couple of quid for a subscription if you're only going to print four or five pages a month.
1: But what it does mean is, especially if you go for an inkjet printer, if those cartridges gum up, if they dry out, that's the manufacturer's problem. They have to send you new ink cartridges. It's in their interest to
0: make sure you can print because you're paying every page you print. Exactly. So that is definitely worth it. It's like the days of going to the library and paying for photocopying. Oh, Do you yeah, ever so remember, I remember doing remember that? that? Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, so a couple of options to, to consider. I, I did a bit of poking around looking at some of the best-reviewed uh, devices, and I found the Brother DCP-J1200W, yes, it rolls off the tongue, oh. which is a wireless colour inkjet printer with scan and copy, uh, on your favourite online emporium of everything, about 80 quid. Now, the... Ink that comes with that does about 720 pages of black and white, 480-odd colour. Replacement ink, if you buy the Genuine Brother, about 60 quid, so almost the price of the printer. However, there are third-party manufacturers who are able to supply you ink at half that price. Now, this is always
1: always a bit of a contentious one isn't it because it the, is. the the original manufacturers will always say, oh no you have to use our, uh, our ink otherwise uh yeah you won't get the warranty doesn't work yes. yeah
0: <laughs> exactly um I'd, I'd say if you're spending less than 100 pounds on a printer go for it <laughs> and yeah you know it's it, it's something if you're not doing a lot of printing uh, your business doesn't rely on it give it a go um Maybe you want to consider Epson's new range, their eco-tank range. E- Epson have done away with the cartridges. Yes, this is this is By putting refillable tanks in their printers.
1: Yeah, because it always used to be that you had to change the, effectively, the cartridge had the print head and the ink in one yep. box, which meant you had to change the relatively expensive print head every
0: time you changed the cartridge. Yes, so uh, Epson's EcoTank et twenty eight eleven. John Lewis selling that at about £170. Uh, the ink, if you buy Epson's own ink, it's £35 for a pack, which will do That's you 4,500 and and four pages on average from that set.
1: Mm, very good which and is pretty get, good yeah you can get a third party compatible yeah. one yep That stinky comes in.
0: st- stinky ink shop i love finding names <laughs> of companies like that uh doing a 27 pounds pack of the four bottles uh which drops your page price to about 0.13 pa page that's
1: going to be firmly dominated by the uh the cost of the paper and uh, uh the cost of the printer up front isn't it uh after the break we're going to be looking at some options for laser printers and also photo printers here on cambridge 105 radio uh it's the gadget guide and we are talking printers we've just been talking about ink jets uh next up it's laser um now these are great for document printing it's not what you want for photos but if you want to print loads of documents or even not very many documents and you don't want the ink drying up then lasers are the ones to look for
0: Pure black and white, I reckon, the HP LaserJet M234DW, yes, they do roll off their tongue, these names, uh, directly from HP for uh, I managed to close the price. That was not very clever of me. Uh, It wasn't ridiculously expensive, it was just over £100, uh, £125 direct from HP, delivered, uh, toner costing £81, a cartridge meaning 3.3 PA page. Um, No gumming up, you said, uh, but the advantage also speed 20 pages a minute Mm. on average about double in inkjet speed
1: Yep. And also good if they get a little bit wet because the uh, the ink won't run or smudge or anything like that. So if you take things outdoors, that can be good. Um, heading into the photo uh, photo world, we did mention these sort of specialized photo prints. It's not something you're going to use for all of your documents because the, the cost per page is, is more like uh, about 50p. Um, but these give incredibly good uh, quality photos. Things like the, uh, the Canon Pixma,
0: Yes, the TS is 6350A, direct from at £130. This can do up to A4 glossy photos, nice. um, print, scan, copy. It's a five-ink system. They guarantee that their prints will not fade for 100 years if stored in a photo album. That's pretty good going. Uh, 24 quid a cartridge. There are five cartridges, so £120 for a set of ink. Ooh. Makes your cost per print about 42 half p If you buy their glossy A4... Paper or their 4x6 paper. Interestingly, the postcard size is the same price as the A4, 28p a sheet. So you're looking oh. at about 70p to print a photo. But that
1: is, you yeah, know, a a photo quality photo is the yes. same as you would get back from uh you know film, film lab or something yeah, like. yeah
0: now that. dye sublimation we mentioned briefly this is a interesting new technology where the ink is transferred into the paper uh as a one pass process sometimes three passes polaroid do a, a, a portable printer so do kodak and canon with their selfie range the polaroid high print about 70 pounds from your favorite online emporium uh does two by three inch Photos. So very small photos. Yep, and they work for a memory wall or something like yep, that. About seventy six P a print. Kodak's Step Slim, about the same sort of price, about eighty pounds on your online purchasing. Two by three inch prints using Kodak's zinc ink free paper. Interesting system they've come oh, up interesting. with. Interesting. Works out about 50p a print, um, but they also do a sticker pack so you can actually go for self adhesive ones which work out about 56 57p a print, ready to stick in your scrapbook or on things. Canon similarly do a uh, sticker based ink in their selfie range. There's a little bit more expensive, 130 to 150 pounds, but they can on their 130 pound portable selfie CP 1500 print post card size four by sixes again about 47 p. A. print again
1: so there you go that's a quick roundup of the printers laser if you want documents inkjet is an all-rounder and the dye sublimation and other photo quality printers if all you want is photos that's all we've got time for on this week's gadget guide we'll be back in a couple of weeks time talking about dash cams cambridge 105 radio